Hello, fellow worshipers. I am so excited that you decided to join us on this episode of the Worshipper's Heart Podcast. It is a delight and a pleasure to spend this journey with you. To our returning listeners, welcome back. To our first-time listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited. So as always, for the first-time listeners, I open up with a little bit of history about myself, my the part of the journey, exploring worship, and how worship has really helped me to embrace how much God loves me. So let's go back to a point of waiting on the Lord. And I bring this up because in our concept of waiting, it's not something that we like to do. Everything for us is rush, 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 get it done, get it done. Let's go to McDonald's. Let's go to Burger King. How fast can we get this food? How fast can we shop? How long are we going to be? How long is this service? They sang too many songs. The pastor preached too long. Everything is a rush, 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 rush. So we're going to talk about, for me, waiting on the Lord. And in my previous podcast, you can go back and listen for the first time listeners. I talk about aspect of my divorce and it was doing going through my divorce that I really start to embrace how much God loves me. It was going through the divorce that I started to see my identity and started to see myself as God's child. So to encourage someone else's heart who may be in a hard place, this just doesn't apply to the practical application of divorce, but divorce and the concept of letting go of old habits Divorce and the concept of letting go of old ways. Divorce and the aspect of removing yourself from situations, circumstances, and people who are hindering you from growth. So divorce does not just apply to a couple marriage aspect, but it applies to what we need to separate ourselves from. So let's look at this aspect for me and my journey in waiting on the Lord. So this weight brought back many memories for me. And the one that I talk about the most is probably my divorce, because again, it was during that time and season that I was really starting to embrace who Carol was in the eyes and sight of God. But during this time, I can recall myself being in a place of loneliness and feeling worthless. And it's amazing how you have to reevaluate your life during a major life event, that it takes a major life event for us to reassess where we are and who we are and where we're going. Just to give you a little history, I was married to my ex-husband for 10 years and we dated for 10 years before we were married. I didn't go into the concept of marriage thinking that I was going to get divorced. But anyway, in spite of it happened. I grieved in my marriage long before the divorce happened and before the divorce was final. So at that point and in this point of waiting, I wasn't sad or heartbroken. However, there are many memories that come back to me as I start to consume this point in my life and where I was and how I started to consume my day with busy things, finding things to do, just countless ways to consume my time. I engrossed myself into anything and everything that I could find to do. I occupied my mind far from hearing and waiting on the Lord, realizing and not knowing that God wanted me to seek him more than I sought the busy things of life. 
He wanted me to wait on him as it pertained to the direction for the next step of my life after my divorce. God wants us to wait on him as it pertains to the next aspect and the direction. As you wait for that thing and you're separating from the things that are not of God. I think many people don't know what direction, where to start, or even why after becoming divorced. It was hard to believe that I had to reestablish myself and my identity. I went from being Mrs. back to Miss. After many long days and nights, I began to seek God through the various ways of waiting. This was a process for me because like many of us, waiting is not, not something that we do often. But it was through prayer, being single-minded, expecting God for a new me, longing to find myself in God, and many hours of being still and quiet that God revealed himself to me. And then at that point, I was ready and opened. It was at that point that I found a place in my identity in God. It was then that I began to change. My mind was transformed and how I viewed and seen things was very different. God was reshaping me, opening up my heart to be a better person. And I began to enjoy myself more. And every day I strive to please God. And it became and has become a continual process for me. It was my prayer that God would make me a better person, a better woman, better mother. And even in this, in, and if in his plans, a new wife. And I pray this every day. I prayed every day that God would make me a better person, a better woman, a better mother. I recognize and appreciate all the struggles and hardships I endured to get to this place in God. I've learned that waiting on God isn't as easy as we think it is. But when we learn to wait on him, when we learn to submit to the plans of God, when we learn to trust God in all things and lean not to our own understanding, we then can recognize that God has our best interests in mind and at heart, regardless of how isolated and alone we may seem or appear to ourselves. So I close with this little thought that says, in the words of the songwriter, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. Fellow worshipers, we're going to talk about this time that worship is a verb. I discovered this book during my time of grad school at Robert Weber Institute of Worship Study in Jacksonville, Florida. Robert Weber is the father of ancient future worship. And this book, Worship is a Verb, Eight Principles for Transforming Worship, was written by him. And he suggests... In this book and lays out in this book that worship is a verb something we are doing so we're going to talk about worship being a verb what are we doing in worship worship is defined as an honor extravagant love and supreme submission we give to God it's the priority we place on God and we should be asking ourselves, where is God on our priority list? Worship is a heart matter expressed in our lifestyle. 
Worship is not simply singing songs while leading others. Worship is not simply volunteering at church or making financial contributions to the church. These are acts of worship. Worship is a source of spiritual renewal and an active experience. It's a verb. It's an action, a state of being. Weber in the book, Worship is a Verb, tells us worship is done by us. It's not to or for us. Worship is not passive. It is active and interactive. It involves the heart, mind, and souls of people who give glory, recognition, love, and submission to our creator. Weber goes on to tell us that worship restores essential principles, gives quality, and is an active experience. We should focus on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and recognize how valuable that is to and for our worship. One thing that Weber tells us in this book and explains to us in this book that worship with simplicity is a need to participate. We should be able to see, hear, feel, taste, smell, and move to a true experience and deeper relationship through our worship to God. So we're going to explore while we look at worship as a verb by Robert Weber, four things that Robert Weber talks about as it pertains to our worship services, four areas that we need to kind of assess, reevaluate, look at, and see how we're doing, where we fit, and how those things apply to us. And how are we giving worship to Christ in them? So the first thing we're going to talk about is, is our worship dominated by the pastor? Is the pastor doing everything as it pertains to the worship service? If this is happening, the worship experience, the worship gathering is becoming passive. The people are spectators and they make the pastor the focus of the worship service. There is no amen, praise the Lord, or thank you, Jesus, from the people. Just the pastor doing everything. Secondly, the congregation, the people, are more spectators. They come with an audience mindset. Weber goes on to say when we're watching television, we come with the spectator mindset. This is how we often come to worship, too, with the spectator mindset. We come to see what everybody else is doing. We come to hear what's going on in the church. We come to see if they're going to see and, and listen, if they're going to sing our song. We're expecting people to do things for us. We're expecting to be entertained. And this places a hardship on the persons who are leading worship, who are guiding, who are embracing us as we move into the worship gathering as corporate worshipers. They see it as a performance. They're looking for the wow factor. Worship is not a spectator sport. It's not a passive activity. Worship is a time to acknowledge God in active experience 
and we do that in a corporate fellowship with other believers. Thirdly, free worship is not necessarily free. Weber describes in the book that there was once a time of spontaneity and an atmosphere that allowed the freedom of worship for the congregation to move to here has now become a fixed program with an identified time restriction. This so applies to where we are. We come in with the mindset of how long this is going to be. They were so long today. They sang the chorus about five times. Pastor preached an extra 20 minutes. They talked about the offering, how long, how many announcements. I need to go. This goes back to our previous mindset of talking about waiting. We look for an outlined program, a set service, and when we do this, we hinder the move of the Holy Spirit and restrict our worship, making it passive. Worship then becomes a ritual. The worship experience is no longer about Christ. It's about how long are we going to be here? We focus more on how long instead of how good God is. We have to come into worship with an attitude of preparation and expectation from God, looking for where God wants us to go. When we come in prepared, we're prepared to hear, we're prepared to see, we're prepared to feel, we're prepared to taste, we're prepared to be an active part of the worship experience. How do we prepare? We do that in our personal devotion reflection time. Preparation does not start or begin during the corporate worship gathering. Preparation starts in your personal reflection time. That is your time to prepare yourself for worship through prayer, confession, laying down your burdens, being before God, being consistent, honoring God, submitting, being open to hear, being willing to change. Preparation happens long before we get to the corporate worship gathering. When we get to the corporate worship gathering, it is then because we have had our personal devotion reflection time that we can embrace each other, that we can encourage each other. How are we going to encourage when we haven't encouraged ourselves? The personal preparation allows us to give God everything concerning our lives, our families, what's on our heart, what's in our mind, what's disturbing us, where we need to go, how long, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Lord, what is it you want me to see? This personal preparation allows you to embrace God for yourself. And it happens again long before we get to the corporate worship gathering. A couple other ways that Weber talks about um, free worship being hindered is through the word of God. Because we don't come prepared and open and ready to receive. We don't come expecting 
affirmation. We don't come with an open mind. We don't come with an interactive spirit. Because we come with a selfish gratitude, because, because we come with a selfish spirit, how can God reveal himself to you through the word if you're often looking at other people and assessing where they are according to the word? We have to learn to take the word of God and apply it to ourselves and not look at the other person's flaws, but look at our own selves. This is an understanding, receiving, and responding to the word of God. This happened with Moses when he said in Exodus 3, 4, it was becoming clear when the Lord saw that Moses was, become, was coming closer, he called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he answered, yes, here I am. That's where we need to be, proclaiming to God, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Use me. Instead of looking for ways to criticize what other people are doing and taking the word of God and making it apply to their lives instead of applying to our own. One of the other ways that we can see free worship, not necessarily and always being free, is when we come to celebrate at the communion table. This is the symbolization of the Last Supper. Weber gives us a breakdown of the communion table in this form, which I found so interesting. I never saw it in this way and in this aspect. And it reads, he took, that's an offering. He blessed, that's a prayer. He broke at the cross and he gave Christ his only begotten son. We have to remember those things when we come to the communion table. We have to remember that he took, there was an offering. He blessed, there was a prayer. He broke at the cross and he gave his son to us. We have to value the time when we come to break bread together as something that symbolizes the union of the church body and God. We have to go back to the sacredness of communion and not see it as a quick routine in our worship service. Then we want to talk about dismissal. Dismissal is something that we often overlooked because it goes really fast, but it is a valuable part of the church service. And this is actually where Matthew 28 19 through 20 comes into play for us. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them to baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. So that's our dismissal. That's how we're going out to serve and make disciples and followers of Christ. Dismissal is important. We often miss it because we rush through it or we leave early. We are called to go out and make disciples and followers of Christ. That's our dismissal. That's our benediction. That's our blessing. 
that's our order to leave. That's where we have to go in our worship experience. We have to remember worship is a verb. We are doing something. There is an action. There is a movement. There is activity. It's not just come in and sit in your favorite spot on the pew and hold the spot or proclaim yourself as the one who gives the most money that makes it the Godfather. No. Worship is an active movement. An active movement. Not to or for us, but unto God and done by us. So I pray this bless you. We'll continue on with this next time as we talk more about worship being a verb. But I need you to remember this. In doing so, all you need is a worshiper's heart. Let's pray. Dear God, we bless you and thank you for your continual love and care for every creature. We praise you for forming us in your image and calling us to be your people. We thank you that you did not abandon us in our rebellion against your love. We thank you, God, for sending Jesus, your son, to deliver us from the way of sin and death by the obedience of his life, by his suffering upon the cross, and by his resurrection from the dead. We praise you that he now reigns with you in glory and ever lives to pray for us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth, defends us in adversity, and out of every people unites us into one holy church. We thank you, God, that it is your joy that gives us peace at all times and in all places. So we thank you. We lift you up, and it is right for us to give you thanks and praise, for you are our Holy Father. You are almighty, everlasting God. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our Redeemer. Amen. And I want to take this time to thank my sponsors, Abigail Adoye, Chantal Hess-Taylor, Athena Shack, and Dr. John and Martha Johnson for supporting the Worshippers Heart podcast and ministry. If you desire to support and be a part, you can click on the link that says support here as you listen to this podcast, or you can reach out to me personally at worshippersheart sixty seven at aol.com and i'll get back to you or you can follow us on our facebook page at worshipers heart and we will respond to you how to be a sponsor for this podcast as we continue to bless others as we continue to be a blessing to others as we continue to speak life and as we continue to have a worshipers heart